0: you are listening to the order transmissions episode 30 and now here are Craig and Jeff Welcome to the Tricorder Transmissions. I am Craig, and I'm Jeff. And this week we are going to be talking about the Conscience of the King. But before that, Jeff, I know I texted you when I saw this on TV the other night, but there was some Star Trek items for sale on that show Pawn Stars.
1: Yeah, that's the place in Vegas, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny we were we were just in Vegas uh, not too long ago. If we had gone to this store, we could have possibly um, seen some of these items. So the episode was from earlier this year in 2000. Uh, 2000- 2013, mm-hmm. um, it was an episode called Beam Me Up, oh, and a woman had basically gotten what she claimed were Star Trek props at a yard sale. Oh, wow. Now, she brought this whole lot for 50 bucks. It was a um, a Tribble, mm-hmm. a communicator, um, a phaser, mm-hmm. and uh, a script for Star Trek IV and yeah. assorted paperwork. Wow. They were yeah. authentic? Well, so they called in their toy expert, Johnny. Mm-hmm. A toy expert, huh? Yeah, who we actually met when we were in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, the guy at the toy shack. Yes. Oh, yeah, he was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, he looked at everything. Um, One of the interesting things he pointed out, and I I don't know if you knew this or not, they made 11 communicators for the original series. That's it? According to Johnny. Huh. So he wasn't too sure on the communicator, but Mm. um, he signed off on the phaser and the tribble. Um. You know, he gave them a the value, and they ended up buying the whole lot for the woman minus the script, which they said they never really had success with, for for five hundred bucks. So she saw a pretty wow. healthy profit, and somebody possibly added some cool Star Trek props to their uh to their collection. Well, I'll
1: bet you whatever they sold that uh, that set used phaser for was a hell of a lot more than five hundred bucks.
0: Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I've pretty neat. Of... The phaser it looked pretty good. There were some chips in it and whatnot. Yeah, and um. I couldn't tell what it was made of. I I thought based on our time at the experience and the museum uh, or history of the Future Museum um that most of those props were made out of wood. Yeah,
1: I think yeah. Uh, I think that's true.
0: Yeah, the communicator didn't look like wood, but with the paint job you never know, but hmm. the phaser definitely did and it had some chips in it and stuff. So, there were some really cool pieces and uh you know, I I, I can't imagine going to a garage sale and, and and getting a find like that.
1: Yeah, no, well, I guess, you know, that's kind of what some of those other shows like the Storage Wars and all that stuff are based on. You never know what you're going to stumble across in in these, you know, storage units and garage sales and people's attics and estate sales and all that. You never know what these people had.
0: Yeah, yeah. So So it was pretty neat. So I guess uh, be on the lookout for that uh, if if you ever tune into History Channel when uh, they're showing – Pawn Stars, and one good thing um, or a tip for Pawn Stars is, if they're ever showing an episode of Pawn Stars, they're going to show more than one episode of Pawn Stars. So mm, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can get caught in a loop, and odds are, I bet you, if you watch it uh, in the next couple of days, you, you'll catch the the episode "Beam Me Up."
1: Yeah, that's those addictive shows that uh, oh, yeah. it's hard to stop watching once you start.
0: So I know every week there is always something cool Star Trek related. To talk about so what do you have this week
1: uh, yeah this week is no exception so mm. we've got a, a couple of new retail items uh, first one is a star trek transporter shower curtain set oh so i can... saw I,
0: I saw this that has the like the mat that goes with it right yeah yeah so okay. it's got a
1: yeah it's got a big shower curtain with a print on it that looks like the inside of the the old enterprise transporter room and the little rubber mat you can stand on Has the six little uh, transporter pods on it, so you can transform your bathroom. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was pretty neat. It's fifty bucks though, so it's a little on the little expensive side. But yeah, uh,
0: for a shower curtain, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I guess for something you know that printed that large, I guess it's kind of you know merchandise wise is justifiable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another cool thing is the uh, you're familiar with the line of pop action figures. Yeah, you know, they're kind of popular. They're all over mm-hmm. the place now. I think I've seen them at Barnes Noble and Noble and a bunch of other places have them. So they're like these little cartoony. Uh, they look like bobbleheads, but they're not bobbleheads. Yeah. So little tiny bodies. But they're putting out a, uh, a group of six original series pop figures. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. Kirk, Spock, uh, Scotty, an Andorian, a, uh, a Vulcan. And I think an Orion Slave Girl was the sixth one. So it makes me wonder if they're going to put out a second series with more characters down the road, I'm
0: sure. Yeah, I'd imagine if it does well.
1: Yeah, and there's also another a short series of those uh, Star Trek-related ones that are uh, the characters from the Big Bang Theory dressed up as various Star Trek okay. characters. So you can That's collect cool. those if you're a Big Bang fan. Yeah, uh, Sheldon is Spock and Leonard is, uh, is Kirk, stuff like that. So They're, they're kind of cute-looking. Neat, neat. Yeah, I might, I might look look for Kirk and Spock if I can find them. Anyway, the original Kirk and Spock, I think, be kind of cool to have them. Sure. And they're pretty yeah, yeah. cheap. They're like ten bucks or so mm-hmm. each, so you can. They're pretty affordable. Yeah. And let's see. Also, um, some Trek cuff links and clips. So, oh. So uh, if you're if you're a, a, a fancy, snappy dresser. Yeah. And you want some Star Trek accoutrements? So they Is it like?
0: A, is it like the uh, the insignia or?
1: Uh there's there a couple that look like the Enterprise.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, that's yeah. a cool concept. The
1: the only ones that I think that look really cool are the ones that are shaped like communicators, uh, TOS communicators and the and the little gold flap flips open on them.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're kinda that's kinda very cool. cool. Yeah. That's probably a really really cool conversation starter. Imagine walking up to somebody that you sort of casually know at a wedding and seeing Communicator cufflinks,
1: yeah. You know what? <laughs> I bet you you could pick up a lot of bridesmaids with those. <laughs> I'm telling you, that melts the ladies like you wouldn't uh, believe. Like Star Trek swag, you are in. Oh, you that are is in. Great. so yeah, that's about it for uh news this week. So, yeah, we but wanna... you know what?
0: It's it always amazes me, um, that we have new retail items to talk about every week. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I understand Star Trek, uh, especially the original series is such an iconic show, but. For a show that's almost 50 years old, it's it's really cool that there's still stuff out there that people can buy that we can talk about each Yeah, week. really. It
1: seems like there's no end to the merchandise that's available yeah. for this show.
0: Yeah. Oh, and um, actually, you know what we can talk about as what, well is – Our brand new Facebook page. Oh,
1: how could I forget about that? That was only a couple days ago we put that up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us. um, If you just search uh, the Tricorder Transmissions, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, for Facebook or or Twitter. Uh, um, I believe um, the website, the TricorderTransmissions.com has links to all of our social media.
1: Certainly does. Yeah. Certainly Mm -hmm. does. So, yeah, we'll be posting each episode every sunday as they're released on the facebook page as well as with our normal places that we post them but the great thing about them being on facebook is now that uh if you listen to any of them and you want to talk back to us you can just jump on our facebook page and comment on that particular episode and uh craig and i will get back to you
0: yeah you can talk to other listeners yeah it'll almost be like an extended discussion from the episode uh uh, which is pretty neat. And, and we'll be able to jump on there and, and share different things during the week. So uh, if you are on Facebook, uh, definitely uh, like us over there and on Twitter at TTT underscore pod. Um, I, I know we both really, really enjoy Twitter Yep. and uh, you know, even uh, between our personal accounts, we have the shared TTT underscore pod um, account for the tricorder transmissions. And uh uh i I know I love interacting with people uh via twitter so uh twitter Facebook we're all about the social media here we're very uh forward thinking podcast
1: yeah we're and we're we're both on both sites constantly so mm-hmm. uh, if you post something, you're bound to get a response from us pretty pretty quickly
0: yes <laughs> so. so we're gonna be talking about the conscience of the king, yep, I guess we have some episode uh details to talk about,
1: sure, yep the original air date December the eighth of nineteen sixty six Remastered air date, September 22nd of 2007.
0: All right, perfect. And I have a really quick rundown here. An actor traveling aboard the Enterprise may be a former governor who ordered a mass murder 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I I think we're going to have a pretty good discussion this episode.
1: Yes, this is like a CSI episode (laughs) in outer space. (laughs) High drama as well. Mm, Both Shakespearean (laughs) and intrigue. Yes,
0: yes. All right. So, do you want to get to it? Yeah.
1: Why don't we get started in three, two,
0: one. So, Jeff, are you ready for some Shakespeare?
1: Yeah, man. Nice opening <laughs> shot of a dagger. Yeah. Right into well, you know, I want to think that's the heart, but yeah. you know, his heart was almost viewable there,
0: so yeah. maybe he stabbed him in the stomach. Yeah. So- I, I want. Yeah, I wonder how many people checked the channel uh, when this first aired and said, I, I'm." supposed to be watching Star Trek and then they saw Kirk and And then uh, they see Kirk, yeah.
1: (laughs) So this is not the this is not the first and will not be the last Star Trek episode to feature something Shakespearean in it.
0: Yeah, well um, even last week when we talked about Dagger of the Mind. mm -hmm, Or not last week. uh, Exactly a couple weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Or no was that last week. That was last week. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so you're you're getting yet another Shakespeare reference. Um you know, this time you're actually seeing people portraying Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, I McBeth. think this is Beth.
0: Yeah, this yeah. is definitely the, the, the most uh, Shakespeare loaded. Uh, you know, oh, you yeah. got whole sequences where they're reciting dialogue. and.
1: Yeah, and there's some great, great stuff at the end here that, that, that's kind of a eyebrow razor with Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this is another episode where we get no Scotty and no Sulu. Yeah. So there's a little side note for this one. So that seems yeah, and to you, happen quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and you get very little bridge as well. Uh, right. You know, you get a
1: little scene, uh, kind of a almost a quarter way through the episode. Yeah. That uh, that features the bridge, but that's about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I got to say that the the teaser opening for this episode is great. You have Kirk watching this with a, uh, with a a colleague of his yep. who is convinced that uh, the actor. Anton Caridian is actually um, Kodos. A, a mass killer named Kodos, who yep. 20 years earlier uh, did some dastardly uh, things um, to a whole population of people. Yeah. Um, that little intro, in terms of intros that really grab you for an episode, this is one of the, uh, the more effective that I've seen so far.
1: Yeah, definitely a quality stinger on this one. Mm-hmm. and you know something to make note of too since you just, you're just watching it you you see just the side the profile of the uh, of Kirk's friend's face he's not identified yet but yeah. you just see the profile
0: mm-hmm. so
1: we'll, we'll see why you just saw the profile shortly and we're just learning that that the, the gentleman was Dr uh,
0: Thomas Layton yeah and they're and they're on his planet because apparently he reported that he has discovered uh, some kind of uh, food source yep. that does not require any kind of what manufacturing or growing or anything. It's just completely sustainable, and it will end famine.
1: Yeah, and now we're finding <laughs> out that that story was complete BS.
0: But don't they have replicators on the Enterprise? Yeah, aren't they already creating food?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's a you know that there's there that inconsistency, and there's one other inconsistency I'm going to hold on to until it actually comes up later in the episode because there's a couple of. Really interesting hmm, moments yeah. in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we're, we're finding out a little bit of the backstory here that uh, Tom Layton, th- it was a friend of Kirk's and they were on a colony together where this Kodos, the executioner, mm-hmm. murdered 4000 people. And of those people that survived that massacre, Kirk and Layton are two of them.
0: Yeah, there were what, nine people. Um I guess, survive that can identify Kodos if they had to.
1: Yeah, that's the story yeah. we're going to get. And here we're going to get the reveal mm-hmm. that it really isn't explored too much. So, yeah. you know, here he is going to turn around. And now you're going to see that half of, of Leighton's face is covered with this black mask and an yeah. eye patch. So you're going to assume that he was injured in some way, but permitted to live.
0: Yeah, I yeah, or maybe he uh, he somehow you know found a way to uh, to escape uh, escape that fate.
1: Yeah, the wrath but, of, of Kodos. Right? Yeah.
0: The one thing I really like about this scene is sort of the the spot that Kirk's been put in here. He's yeah. been brought to this planet on false pretenses. He's now going to have to report back to Starfleet um, that the thing they came for they're not going to be able to get, which is the sustainable food source. And he's basically saying, "Hey, you put me in a really tough spot here. Wh- wh- you know what can I do?" Kirk believes that Kodos is dead and yep. and was burned um and for him it was put to bed
1: yeah, so but now you see he's back on the ship, and he's going to uh, this is a, actually a very important scene. He's researching Kodos and uh the actor who uh, they believe may be Kodos, and this scene is the first scene in the original series where the computer voice is featured.
0: Okay, yeah, and that's uh, Majel Barrett. Yep,
1: that's Majel Barrett. So he's now researching uh, Kodos, who was the governor of a planet. We're going to hear the backstory here where he uh, Kodos slaughtered 50% of the uh, the planet and uh, in order to— well, we, we don't really know a heck of a lot why yet, just that he did it. And uh, Kirk is kind of wrestling with this, whether or not—he thinks Kodos is dead, but— A part of him can't completely accept that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going to we're going to see him take a look here at some pictures of the actor Anton Caridian, who we just saw uh, in Macbeth down on the planet here. And we're hearing about a little bit of history about him. So Kirk has some doubts. So he, Mm -hmm. he was convicted about the fact that Kodos was dead. But now he's not quite so sure.
0: Yeah. And you'd have to imagine that this was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from my research, Kirk, uh, was around 34 in the, in these episodes. Yep. So he would have been a 14 or 15 year old kid when this sort of ma- when he witnessed this massacre. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not really referenced a lot throughout the series, but I'd imagine that kind of trauma, you know, on the te- teenage mind <laughs> is definitely something that I I could definitely see sort of being brought back to the surface if it's questioned.
1: Oh, absolutely. and. Kirk's approximate age that you just mentioned Mm -hmm. is something to keep in mind as you're watching this episode, because the computer just said that uh, Caridian's daughter, Lenore, is 19 years old. And now Kirk is in his mid 30s. This is an important thing to keep in mind as this episode progresses. I'm just setting this
0: up. Are you going to judge Captain Kirk for his his uh Not at all. <laughs> not at all.
1: She's of legal age. Yeah. But I'm just saying, just remember. Now, I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to say that anything's wrong with Kirk, but I'm going to question her. Mm-hmm. That's all. But anyway, Kirk has now beamed back down to the planet because yeah. his suspicion of Kodos is just enough yeah, That he's going to go back down and investigate a little bit, and he's going to hatch a little bit of a plot here that that he's going to hatch, and it's going to come to fruition where he's going to f- buy himself some more time, if you yeah. will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And here's the daughter coming and in. And there's
0: also some interesting music playing here. It's source yes. music, yes. which is very, very rare for this series. It is. And it is sort of a, a jazzy, loungy version <laughs> yeah. of Alexander Courage's. Star Trek theme.
1: It is. uh, (laughs) Not something that happens in the series an awful lot. And it's actually really faint in the background. So you may not pick it up unless you're really paying attention Mm -hmm. to it.
0: Yeah. So uh, This is Lenore.
1: Yes, this is Lenore. And uh, a little bit of statistic here to mention uh, that Lenore is tied uh, with Khan and another character in the show for the most costume changes during a single episode. Oh, that's awesome. So she wears six different outfits throughout this episode. So interesting thing to point out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we could talk about uh, this actress real quick. Sure. Uh, Barbara Anderson, um, New York City actress. Mm -hmm. Um, And she basically did a lot of TV work in the 60s, like a lot of people we've seen on this show. Mm -hmm. Um, She was on the uh, pilot episode of the show Mannix. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also one of the original four cast members of Ironside, not oh, cool. the new Ironside that's on NBC, yeah, the... but the the Raymond Burr Ironside. Mm-hmm. Um, she won a, an Emmy in 1968 for her work as a outstanding supporting actress in a drama series for Ironside.
1: Oh, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And another interesting factoid. Uh, That's not necessarily original series related. They just mentioned a ship called the Astral Queen, which is uh, another Federation ship that the uh, Caridian players here are supposed to uh, book passage on to, to go to their next gig. Yeah, that name, the Astral Queen, was actually used in the rebooted Battlestar Galactica as a little bit of a nod back to the original Star Trek series.
0: Oh, that's very neat.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I also really like this concept of, you know, in the twenty third century mm-hmm. there being uh, a traveling theater troupe. <laughs>
1: it's kind of cool, isn't it? Like they, yeah. you know, today we have uh, in in twenty thirteen you have troops who travel around different countries or or you know different states in the United States, and and that practice is continuing into the future, but via space travel. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept, huh?
0: Yeah, and and I also, you know, you know the fact that they're still performing Shakespeare, which is proven to be pretty timeless at this point. Yep. And the idea that's you know a few hundred years into the future, it's still going to be something that actors are drawn to for the you know the difficulty of performing it.
1: Right. Well, you know, even in in our day uh in 2013 shakespeare has been around for an awful long time mm-hmm. and it's endured so you would think that that tradition almost would endure into the future so it, it's not uh, it's not hard to buy the concept that shakespeare is still has some sort of a popularity in star yeah. trek time it's not it's not infeasible so oh now we have just been, found out that he's dead yeah, there's is been a dead. murder yep yep so this is almost um if you want to liken this particular episode to another series, this is almost kind of like a CSI episode of Star Trek, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and and earlier on when we first saw Spock, uh, when he came into Kirk when Kirk was doing his research, mm-hmm. um you could sort of see the spark that was sort of lit in 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 Spock's mind and, you know, Spock could have almost walked out of that room with his detective hat on.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs> but, and Spock is going to actually Put on his detective hat here in a little bit. So, Kirk again is going to exhibit some strange behavior, mm-hmm. a cue that we saw in uh, what little girls are made of. And Spock is able to detect that uh, Kirk is acting funny, and is prompted to do some uh, some some uh, investigation work. But uh, back back on the scene here, we're seeing some really cool uh, diversionary tactics used by Kirk. So calling in a favor from his buddy on the Astral Queen to uh, essentially strand the Caridian players on this planet so that they're forced to book passage on the Enterprise to buy Kirk some time to identify whether or not this is actually Kodos the Executioner.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think this is another really little cool character moment because it shows that Kirk had a pretty big impact on this other, you know, starship's, you know, um, captain.
1: Yeah, you have to wonder what Kirk did. So so the the other starship captain over the uh, communicator admits that he owes Kirk quite a few. Mm -hmm. Not just one, but a few. So you have to wonder, what did Kirk do uh, in the past to to earn this guy's loyalty so much that he would, you know, shirk off his duties and strand these people there and leave them in Kirk's hands with no explanation as to why? Yeah, yeah. Right. So here comes Lenore Caridian beaming up to the ship. and you know Kirk's plan is working exactly as as he as he thought it would, mm-hmm. and she's now, coming up to request that uh, they they allow the Caridian players to come on board the enterprise,
0: yeah. and I also did we miss um Yeoman Rand? uh not yet she's gonna oh, she's okay. gonna be around well, <laughs> well, she's gonna come and go basically. yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, I didn't remember where she pops up in this episode, but I guess we'll talk about that one. When it happens, yeah, she'll be around. We, mm-hmm. we we've got a couple things to mention about her. Mm-hmm. Do you think this this conversation on the bridge is kind of interesting in in terms of the location they chose?
1: Yeah, it definitely is, but I think it's necessary because Spock needs to overhear this.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was sort of a script convenience.
1: Yeah, because you know I think a lot of the um, what's going to happen here in a little bit is based on Spock's suspicion. See, here's Spock right now. He's he's definitely listening in. He's eavesdropping on what's going on here and learning a little bit about uh, who this girl is and wondering why she's here. Mm-hmm. And he's going to actually confront Kirk about it in a little bit. But um, And uh, Kirk is actually kind of breaking regulations here <laughs> as well by l- allowing passengers on board the Enterprise, which is technically a military vessel. Yeah. Right. So he really shouldn't be doing this. So I, I, I'm I'm assuming that Spock is going to jump to the conclusion right off the bat that, you know, Kirk is kind of you know, smitten with this girl. And yeah. we'll find oh, out a little bit more about and that. And there's Rand. And, and here she comes.
0: There she exits from Star Trek history. Uh, but this was actually her last day on set.
1: Yeah, so uh, there and actually, uh, while we're on the subject of Janice Rand, uh, there's actually an unfilmed scene in the script featuring Rand Mm -hmm. where uh, in in a little while Kirk will be on a a place called the observation deck with Lenore. And uh, originally Rand was supposed to walk in on them during that scene, Mm -hmm. but they never wound up filming that. Oh, wow. Particular scene. So uh, there's a, a couple of interesting notes about Rand herself and the actor Grace Lee Whitney, who uh, was quoted from an interview of her saying that she, this was the only time she ever drank alcohol on set because she was so upset about having been written off of the series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can sort of see it in her performance there when the she sort of walks off – uh Onto the bridge, looks you know looks to the right and then uh, and then just walks off. Yeah, so <laughs> didn't even get a line. No, her, well, she gets last... a couple
1: of lines yeah. later, mm-hmm. um, but uh, in another episode rather, not not yeah. in, the, in the next episode. This was the rev, the order that they were shown in was not the order that they yeah. were filmed in. So um, she'll she'll show up again in the next episode, but you know if you go back and look at the order that they were filmed in, this was actually filmed. Uh, later so this was actually her final
0: yeah it was you know it was you know uh
1: so here's another interesting aside here they're going through a list of people who were witnesses to the kodos massacre and uh riley another crew member who we remember from the naked time Mm -hmm. right who took over the enterprise yeah from engineering is also uh, an ancestor of someone who was murdered by mm-hmm. Kodos. So uh, Riley is now a target yeah. for uh, the murderous Kodos. And, yeah. uh, but we come to find, he, apparently he's been completely forgiven.
0: Yeah, and he was actually moved to communications. Yeah, from, and, from engineering. And basically Kirk is sending him back to engineering for his safety, mm-hmm. um, which Spock thinks that Riley will sort of take that at, message the wrong way as yeah. a, a demotion of some kind
1: yeah and that's an interesting uh, perspective on spock because he's actually considering another crew member's feelings emotions. right yeah. so now this scene that we're seeing here between spock and mccoy i think this is uh, this is almost a defining scene for the two of them yeah this interaction this is your fully baked spock yeah doing Everything that Spock would normally do and McCoy being the emotional foil, almost or the emotional opposite side to, to Spock in this conversation.
0: Yeah. And and towards the end of the episode, we're going to get the three way dance that right. sort of became, um, you know, uh, an essential part of the series. One of the things that's really interesting about this scene is we basically learn that Vulcans um, or at least Spock's ancestors um, didn't drink alcohol.
1: Yeah, well, he says, my father, my father's people were not uh, 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 given the benefits, or the dubious benefits yeah. of alcohol. But the human side is... Now, here's another really interesting thing in this scene that is actually a contradiction with another episode that's coming up. McCoy, uh, after the alcohol comment, McCoy actually says that uh, he... Because Spock doesn't drink, he understands why Vulcan was conquered or his ancestors Mm -hmm. were conquered. But in the immunity syndrome in season two, Spock says that Vulcan has never been conquered in his collective memory, in the collective memory of the Vulcan people. So a little contradiction there.
0: Yeah. So here is a very sort of historic moment in Star Trek, the original series, um, history. Um, they are on the, the observation deck overlooking the, um, the shuttle where the shuttlecraft, um, bay is. Yeah. And this is the only time in the series when this observation deck would be seen from the inside.
1: Yes. And, and this is, this scene is historic for another reason, because as Kirk has said, the Enterprise, uh, in an attempt to make it feel more like home, yes. simulates the day-night cycle,
0: mm-hmm. which I was very, very cool. It adds a whole uh, another level to you know life on the Enterprise,
1: right? But this is the only time you will see nighttime on the Enterprise depicted in this way. Mm-hmm. So um, another historic moment. So you're seeing a brand new place that you won't see again, and you're seeing it in a condition that you won't see again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So very neat. Yep. Very neat. Um. Real quick, I guess we'll talk about uh, director Gerd Oswald. Sure. Who uh, died in 1989? He was an American film and television director. Mm-hmm. Um. He directed movies like A Kiss Before Dying, Brainwashed, Bunny O'Hare, and he worked on shows like Perry Mason, Bonanza, The Outer Limits, The Fugitive, Gentle Ben, It Takes Gentle a Thief, ben. and several episodes of the twilight zone which uh most people would know him for if they didn't know him for star trek Hmm. yeah
1: well i remember when i was a kid seeing gentle ben on tv i don't remember the actual show itself but i just remember the fact that it had a bear in
0: it Mm -hmm. yeah i i don't remember much more than that either but he was gentle i guess
1: he was well he was a bear (laughs) He was named Ben and he was gentle. And here's a, a reference to Cleopatra, by the way. And, yeah, so here they kiss. A, 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 a mid 30s Kirk making out with a 19 <laughs> year old girl. Now, hey, you know, I'm not going to fault Kirk for that, but y- you have to wonder, you know, what this girl travels all over the place with this uh, troupe of, of
0: actors and actresses. Yeah.
1: What is she doing messing around with a 34 plus year old guy?
0: Mm-hmm. Well,. You know, if you start to look at where this episode goes, you can see that they were both pretty much playing each other. Yes, they were. Yes, which, they were. Which is in- incredibly cool. I'm not a, a, I'm not that much of a Shakespeare uh, expert, uh, but it seems like a lot of the action and that characters take in this, um, sort of mirrors stuff from Hamlet. Um, you know, the play within a play type of thing.
1: Yes. It definitely does, and here we're gonna get we're having another scene with Spock and McCoy. Yet another really great example of the uh, the logical Spock versus the uh, emotional McCoy having a conversation uh, from two different angles. Mm-hmm. So Spock is running down the history of Kodos and uh, talking about. What is essentially, I guess what the the, the overall theme of the episode is uh, a, a guy who's a, a dictator of sorts who rises to power and picks and chooses who he thinks is superior, uh, a version of eugenics, I guess, yes. and and saves the people he thinks are worthy and slaughters the rest. But the reason why he does that, is because the food supply on his planet is practically wiped out. Yeah. And all the people wouldn't survive based on the amount of food they had. So you have this almost a moral choice in your mind. So you're, you're, the viewer is left to, to try to rationalize to themselves what they think. Is Kodos guilty of being a murderer? Yeah. Or is he a hero for making the tough choice and saving half of the people? On the planet,
0: right, yeah, this episode actually uh for me, it really has a lot going on in terms of building the world and and I'm really surprised that they didn't mind some of this stuff for um future episodes or even you know future plot points in the movies,
1: yeah, you would think
0: I... yeah. it just seems like if I was a writer and I was tasked with uh with coming up with ideas for star Trek, uh this would be one of the episodes I would look at you know, cause it seems like there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of sort of mythology here.
1: Yeah. And a lot of really interesting backstory.
0: So here's Bruce see, Hyde back is Riley.
1: Yep. There he is. And w- there's a little shot of uh, some of those nondescript food cubes, multicolored few fu- food cubes. So question if, if they're going to make all the, the food shaped like cubes, why bother making it different colors? Mm-hmm. right if you're not going to shape it like something why bother making it different colors why don't make them all green cubes or red well,
0: cubes they could have flavor
1: i guess but yeah. i don't know I, I just think if you're going to go co- nondescript shape wise it almost doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me to to make them different colors mm-hmm. and don't we see different actual food that looks like food come out of the replicators
0: i believe so yeah yeah, yeah. So, he so was, here's Uhura yep. playing uh, the, the Vulcan harp. She's playing Beyond Antares mm-hmm. for, uh, to sort of serenade uh, Riley while he he eats. Let's talk a little bit about Bruce Hyde real quick, because sure. this was the return of Riley, um, mm-hmm. who only appeared in two episodes of the series. But uh, a lot of fans seem to remember. And I have a quote from Star Trek 365 where uh, he talks about this poison glass of milk he's going to drink. <laughs> he says, I guess it was a memorable glass of milk. I only acted professionally from 64 to 70, traveling back and forth between New York and L.A. Then I was cast into the San Francisco Company of Hair. And at the end of the year, I decided to drop out of acting and stay in San Francisco. Hmm. I really left the whole arena. So it was a surprise to me a few years later when I read this article in the New Yorker about a big Star Trek convention in New York. Apparently, there was a trivia contest and they ran a sample question. What was the poison put in Lieutenant Riley's milk? And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe they're really thinking about that. It was the first inkling I had that Star Trek would be such an issue for years to come. So that's kind of neat that, you know, all those, you know, years later, Star Trek had sort of followed him. And he since went on to be a uh, a teacher, an acting teacher uh, <laughs> in Minnesota.
1: Wow, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And we just actually saw that po- the the poison deposited yeah, into was his glass like a via spray a bottle. spray bottle. <laughs> So we're going to actually find out later what that poison was, and it will make a little more sense. Uh, So keep an eye on the screen here, because I I always found this very interesting how he's kind of like, rest my lips on the glass. No, I'm not going to drink it yet. See, there's a little delay here for dramatic pause yeah,
0: and... it almost seems like they took two different takes that had slightly Ooh. different angles and they were like you know what we can edit those together and sort yeah. of build a little bit of suspense here because you know it's sort of that hitchcock approach where we know that his drink is poison so now yeah we're sort of you know on the edge of our seat saying oh no don't drink don't that
1: drink it and then, and then he chugs the living f <laughs> yeah. out of that milk i don't know anybody who chugs milk like that <laughs> that was kobayashi level championship milk yeah. chug. and here's the he holds onto the glass and it spills all over scotty's console
0: yep sad
1: stuff and now he's now he's in sick bay so uh you know and here we go spock is uh you got to pull him through for what reason why why do we have to pull him through spock ah because if he dies
0: (laughs) there's only one person left who can identify Kodos. and
1: then it's bye bye kirk Mm -hmm. so the captain's life's in jeopardy and we fade to commercial
0: yeah one thing about these flyby shots is uh, in the early in the in the the first season of the series, um, they had changed the look of the Enterprise. Uh, you know, from the from the pilots to the regular series. But the footage that they had shot of all those Enterprises was so valuable for a show that didn't have a lot of budget to work with, that there are actually times where the Enterprise looks different in those flyby shots. And uh, somebody who's really eagle-eyed can sort of go through and and find the shots that were sort of recycled or that were picked up from Where No Man Has Gone Before or The Cage uh, with that slightly different enterprise.
1: Yeah, and if you're really eagle-eyed, you could have spotted the tricorder on the table there kind of rocking back and forth for some reason or another.
0: Yeah, and there's sort of uh, McCoy with his, uh, I guess, his Star Trek version of the iPad.
1: Yeah, really, or is it one of those uh, those those uh, when we were kids, you had that the the pad that had the plastic paper and you could write yeah. on it and then pull it up.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting though because McCoy seems to uh, use this uh, this this device. He also dictates at one point, and we had Kirk writing with pen and paper.
1: Yeah, so there's a there's a strange mix of old and new technologies. Mm-hmm.
0: And he's got some books on the shelf there behind him.
1: Yep. Oddly stacked with their spines facing upward instead of outward.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that is in terms of, you know, keeping the condition of the book. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's good for the spine. It seems like the spine would sort of be, dr- the gravity would be dragging or pulling at the spine.
1: Yeah. So, so here we're seeing a scene of the, the, uh, the Trinity,
0: mm-hmm. the, yeah. the
1: triad of Star Trek, the backbone of this show, having a discussion. And this is actually a really great discussion and spock is 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 telling kirk essentially dude you're gonna be there's an attempt is gonna be made on your life man you better you better pay attention to attention to me and kirk is kind of pushing it off like what you know Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i'm still not completely convinced this guy's kodos but Mm -hmm. spock's like listen why are you inviting death i mean seriously man this the i'm a vulcan (laughs) i've done the research dude yeah stop doubting me Yeah, the the guy's going to the guy's going to kill you.
0: Yeah. But this also, I think, is kind of a a cool Captain Kirk moment because it basically shows that he's able to sort of in almost Vulcan like way, put aside his personal feelings about Mm. what he experienced. And he really wants to make sure that this is approached, approached objectively and that Caridian sort of gets a a fair shake here.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but it kind of contradicts some of his behavior in the future, but I guess because he's so emotionally tied to uh, to Kodos and, and what happened uh, mm-hmm. back on, on, in his youth, that yeah. he's not really going be to tr- be too quick to point a finger and, yeah. and sentence this guy to death, right?
0: Yeah. Were you referring to like when the Klingon bastard kills his son or?
1: Oh, many other things too, <laughs> but yes, the Klingon <laughs> bastards that killed his son, Yeah. <laughs> So Kirk and and Spock are still hanging out in Kirk's quarters, and we're going to hear an interesting sound here.
0: Oh, yes, the the phaser being tuned up.
1: Yeah, man, the phaser on overload. So uh, real quick, an interesting thing about this scene in particular, uh, this is another instance where a second version of this scene was shot for the uh, and used in the preview of oh, this neat. episode. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they didn't reuse that was because it, Kirk is shuffling around in the bedroom area and when he pulls the mattress off the bed, which is strangely back in its original position here, you can see a wood plank underneath the mattress. And they didn't want that to be shown on the episode. Mm. So they didn't use it, but it, I I actually went and watched the preview earlier today yeah. and sure enough Mm-hmm. That wood plank is plainly visible in the scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now here now, Kirk is finding the, uh, the phaser yeah. stored mm-hmm. in his...
0: So, so what? Having... There's some kind of setting. Like, does the phaser have, like, basically a self-destruct button?
1: So, yeah. There's two things that we, we have to question about the phaser in this... Oh, and here, by the way, behind Kirk's head, you see that Kirk's quarters are 3F121, by the way. Yeah,
0: that's, Interesting.
1: Uh, but, so the preview. phaser... Can be can be set to overload. How do you do that? We don't really know. Is it just a you just turn a dial? Do you hot hot wire the phaser? What do you do? We're not quite sure, but apparently a a phaser can be rigged to blow up.
0: Yeah, because when it was sort of hidden behind that 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 plexiglass, it almost looked like it was firing. You know, it was Mm -hmm. lighting up the area, and then when Kirk grabbed it, it was it it wasn't. So th- this is a scene I really, really dig. Kirk has basically yep. come in now. He's fired up because if that tricorder or if that, that phaser had, had blown up, it would have destroyed sections of the ship.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And uh, you know, Well, it did blow up, but it blew up in the, I guess, the trash compactor.
1: Or the vacuum of space. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's another question, too. When he threw that phaser out and it rocked the entire ship, wouldn't you think Scotty would have immediately been on the horn of the Captain, what the hell was that? <laughs> Yes. I mean, wouldn't you think? But anyway, back to this particular scene. This is a re I think this is a really uh, badass Kirk moment. Yeah. And he's gonna call Caridian out.
0: Yeah, he basically flat out asks him, so Are you Kodos? Are you Kodos? He doesn't
1: mess around. He said, Where were you twenty years ago? Yeah. And this guy in Caridian is just dodging yeah all of these questions.
0: Yeah, and he basically really doesn't have a lot to support that he isn't Kodos. The uh, Anton Caridian really doesn't have any history prior to uh, the time period where Kodos died. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all signs lead back to him being, you know, being Kodos. And now Kirk is going to ask him to take a, uh, a voice analysis. And he says, it doesn't matter if you alter your voice. The computer will be able to tell if you're you. And what's really neat here is Kirk had handwritten down this basically speech that Kodos had given from memory. Um, Caridian reads it. He starts to read it at least. And then he lowers the page and he's reciting it from what we have to gather is actor's memory. Or is it him remembering a historical moment from his life?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if Kirk can remember it, yeah. You know, stands to reason that, that, you know, he could read that off the paper and then remember it as an actor. Mm-hmm, but, exactly. You know, what I think is interesting about this is that, you know, take yourself back to Mudd's Women. Mm-hmm. The computer in the ship easily and quickly identified that <laughs> he was Harcourt Fenton Mudd, right? Yes. Now, how can this computer, who is already compared... The photos of old Kodos with Mm -hmm. Anton Caridian and also analyzed Spock's record uh, request, which was the correlation between Kirk, Riley and uh, Kodos, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how can the computer take the voice and all that other data and not immediately say, dude, that's freaking Kodos. Shoot that SOB right now, Kirk. What are you doing?
0: (laughs) You know what? I hadn't really thought about that.
1: Right? Because the thing's like, oh, yeah, dude, you're Harry Mudd, man. Stop lying. Stop lying. Mm-hmm. So, so here we go. You, you, you got uh, Caridian here. Yeah, what the heck is he doing? He's trying to deflect. Yeah, right. He's trying to to to, to throw Kirk off. Or, I mean, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "Well, maybe I am Kodos," and he's yeah. defending the decision that Kodos made. You know, some had to die, and others might live. Uh, you know, and he's trying to to almost justify. Yeah. What Kodos did, without admitting that he's actually Kodos.
0: Yeah, and this is actor Arnold Moss, who mm-hmm. died in 1989. Had a really, really long, uh, you know, career from 46 to to 67. He starred in a handful of uh, Bob Hope films, which is kind of neat. He was also the first voice of the character Ted White on the radio uh, radio serial version of The Guiding Light. The soap opera, 48 to 49. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, and then he was also in movies like uh, uh, the Rifleman uh, TV show, Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Bonanza, uh, Gambit. Um, wow. So, kind of an interesting career there. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny that Guiding Light, I think that might have just gone off the air recently because I know a lot of those yeah, soap I... operas disappeared. But tracing the Guiding Light all the way back to April of 48, doing you... a voice what? for. Uh... How long did that run for? Yeah, it's amazing. Um...
1: Good God.
0: Yeah, it looks yeah. like it ended in two
1: thousand nine. Wow, that's yeah. actually fairly recent. It's only a few years ago.
0: Yeah, eighteen thousand two hundred and sixty-two episodes total.
1: <laughs> well, I guess that would take you a long time
0: to binge-watch that. Yeah, that's counting the radio serials too. You know, while you binge-watch and binge-listen. So
1: <laughs> now, now we're seeing that that uh, Coridian is trying to tell, trying to th- th- to say that he can't remember his past. Mm-hmm. Right, like, oh, I'm tired. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, but it almost seems like the way he's playing it is, he almost seems tired of yeah of the charade.
1: Yeah, yeah, but he's you know he's also a quirky actor. Yeah, maybe he's just kind of a little bit uh, bat crap. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, but here comes the real bat crap. <laughs> so let's let's uh let's real quick take a, a little analysis of what's gonna happen here. Mm-hmm. so now kirk, his daughter is going to come in here and she's going to 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 look kirk in the eye and claim that he has uh no mercy right yeah but she's the one that's been killing everybody <laughs> you know so is this is this an example of her uh uh acting uh yet another character or is she really that deranged
0: i think she's got it she's working on a whole nother level in terms of her uh her psychosis.
1: Mm, we'll find out. We'll yeah. find out really, really soon, uh, exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this is really interesting that she can maintain this uh, facade of uh, of the daughter uh, who uh, who's defending her innocent actor father mm-hmm. when when she knows the tr- the brutal truth of who he really is and what she herself has done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know. And, and she just made out with Kirk like 12 minutes ago, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's like, ah. It's all business. The jig is up. Yeah. All business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's going to stop him on his way out and say, who? Yeah. Great Kirk moment right here. Who do I have to be? Great stuff, man. <laughs> Look at the stare. It's
0: like, mm-hmm. That's so now right. He, this is interesting. Um, You have McCoy dictating his log where he – Relays a lot of important information while Crewman <laughs> yeah. Riley is able to sit there and overhear it. Doesn't hear him walking around. Yeah, Doesn't it almost know he's seems. Out of bed. Like, it almost seems like it's another moment where, dun dun. For, for script convenience, yeah, um, really. because McCoy switches to writing here.
1: Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> All right, I'll take my triangular shaped pencil and write the rest of this crap
0: yeah. down. But so we uh, learned that basically, Crewman uh, Riley was there for whatever happened. Yeah, as he, a he, kid, was substantially younger than uh than kirk yep so he was probably you know six or seven years old maybe
1: yeah so but but riley has overheard that uh the man who uh, the potentially the man who's guilty of killing his parents yeah is here on board the enterprise and in fact alive and is a is now putting on a play for the crew a very small <laughs> contingent of the 430 crewmen
0: yeah, got, and I'm not even sure. The show. Yeah, and I'm not even sure what kind of uh, crewmen those are because when things get exciting towards the end of the episode, they all basically just run and scream and scatter uh, with really no kind of Starfleet precision.
1: Yeah, no, really, that's a good observation. And another interesting observation is they have a makeshift theater. <laughs> so they have a makeshift theater and they're actually broadcasting that to other areas of the ship because they can't fit everybody
0: yeah the it theater. almost looks like they converted the um like the the gym area that they have
1: yeah maybe yeah uh, riley's gone kirk is uh mccoy is gonna tell kirk listen hey man i was talking smack
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and i think riley might have overheard me so and- uh Like the weapons lockers and broken into and a phaser's missing. Oh, boy.
0: And they just finished comparing the voice analysis where Spock says it's 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 pretty darn close. And Kirk says it's not close enough.
1: So Kirk Kirk, is still
0: showing signs of doubt, even after having a one on one conversation with with Caridian.
1: Come on, Kirk. (laughs) What are you doing, man?
0: He really seems afraid to pull the trigger, you know, and, and really just, you know point the finger uh you know in a definitive manner
1: yeah i i think at this point the evidence is strong enough hey look it's the uh, it's the medallion from raiders of the lost ark <laughs> the guy's wearing it
0: <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get really hot in a fire and burned into his hand
1: yeah and only get one side of it so he can't make the proper uh, staff height <laughs> but so here kirk is taking a look around he looks a little happy, but he's looking around and trying to find, uh, you know, Riley, the would-be assassin, who mm-hmm. is going to try to to take Kodos, a.k.a. Uh, Caridian, out.
0: And there he is with his phaser.
1: Yep, he's getting, yep, there it is. And now why didn't he just shoot right there? Nope. Did he just point that phaser at Kirk? He, he kind of is. Oh, man, that's a violation, man. <laughs> that's a violation. Mm-hmm. But Kirk is—you know, and this is the second transgression this guy has made. First, he takes over the ship from engineering and annoys the crap (laughs) out of everybody by singing over the communication system nonstop.
0: that time he was under the influence of a— Yeah,
1: but now he's pointing a phaser directly (laughs) at Kirk with his finger on the trigger, man.
0: But if anybody can understand the emotions that are going through Riley, it's Kirk because he— Witnessed, or or at least was you know partial yeah. witnessed to whatever the heck went on in this planet with Kodos and what happened to you know you know Riley's family and thousands of other people like Riley's family.
1: Yep. Oh no. Yeah. You yeah. know, and Kirk here's Kirk showing another uh, another act of of empathy mm-hmm. and just sending Riley off. He's yeah, like, you know what, just just go you. back to sickbay. I'm gonna trust that you're gonna mm. go. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna run and grab another phaser and come back. Right. Yeah. So. You know, here here we got a, a little break in the play here and uh you know I think Kirk is gonna come out and uh after this little uh revealing session here between the daughter and uh, what we're gonna find out is actually Kodos
0: yeah and Kirk's ready to basically pull the rug out and say hey this is it and he's not gonna let him finish his performance which I guess is probably the worst <laughs> thing you can do to an actor
1: yeah then you're gonna you're gonna hamstring him
0: yeah you're not gonna let him finish his final performance
1: yeah well you know, I don't think under this condition that he should. And his daughter, I think, is is kind of proven right here that she's uh, she's pretty over the edge, man. Mm-hmm. And he, we're surprisingly, he is totally unaware.
0: Yeah, we learned that she has basically been picking off as they've been traveling yep. from, you know, uh, you know, planet to planet, basically eliminating everybody. You know, the the last nine people that could that could. Uh, identify Kodos.
1: Yep, exactly. Never mind the fact that the computer has a picture of freaking <laughs> Kodos.
0: Now that picture, um I paused it and I looked and I I guess they used the same actor for both pictures? I would assume.
1: Yeah, they I mean did he similar.
0: Did, did it look definitive to you? Yeah, it was pretty damn close. Yeah. I it's think they an just changed it, the
1: eyebrows a little bit so yeah, that the eyes looked a little different.
0: And his head was turned at an angle. There was a little bit of doubt in my mind looking yeah, at well, those
1: pictures. well, maybe, maybe. But just going to prepare the audience and you for in a second or two here, you are going to see one of what I think is one of the biggest and most glaring acts of complete ineptitude <laughs> on the part of a security officer on the Enterprise. And and this might... <laughs> I'm going to wait. I'm going to point it out as it happens. So hopefully people are watching along. Oh, It's going to be a minute now. Just yeah. Just keep your eye on the prize here. Just wait for Kirk to call the security guard in to arrest the two of these people.
0: <laughs> I like here how she she says Kirk.
1: Yeah, she and here uh, Caesar comes, right?
0: Yeah, and and Captain Kirk. It's like it's got this weird sort yeah. of you know affectation to it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? and here he comes, Braze a blade. Here he comes. Here, wait, watch. Here we go. Here we go. It's coming up any second now. After the play, he's not going to let him do it. You know, forget it. Plays over, and of course now Kodos is going to take a last-ditch attempt to defend himself. He yeah, had to but he's basically—he's
0: basically fessing up to it, though.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the guy's been—he's been on the run for twenty years. Now you would think, right? You would think that if you did something that terrible and so many people were after you, you would lay low. Why are you putting on shows in front of people for twenty years who could—who who may? be able to spot you and identify you
0: but there's only nine people that can well he doesn't know where he's gonna run into them well yeah but i mean small universe in the galaxy it's
1: a small universe i'll take those
0: odds it's a small universe bro <laughs> come on man and here he comes there he is what? Guard. Oh, here hey, you go. watch this
1: me hey guys how's face. it going <laughs> oh, oops she just grabs the freaking guys look at it. he's just standing like an idiot too like der.
0: and the phaser um, she doesn't make any adjustments on it, so the phaser is on whatever it's setting is. Kill, baby, kill. It's on kill, which... So now, not only was this sort of in, in, whoa, inept... Whoa, look at those eyeballs. Yes. Uh, excellent work from uh, Jerry Finner, Finnerman there, the uh, Um But not only is that security guard inept, but he's also running with, with a phaser that is set to kill, as we learn.
1: Yeah, uh, but the question is, now watch what happens when she fires this shot off mm-hmm. boom shoots her father he's now dead so yep. now the question is so if a phaser has stun and kill mm-hmm. is there a is there a third setting that actually disintegrates and makes you disappear and then a separate kill setting that doesn't make you disappear but just still kills you because sometimes people vanish yeah so he's dead and now she's gonna recite lines. Yeah, Shakespearean lines over
0: his dead body. Yeah, and Kirk lets her finish. Yeah, <laughs> which I—he's like, I'm gonna let her finish talking this nonsense.
1: Dude, <laughs> is that a, is that an actor thing? So if if a if a guy drops dead on stage during a play, would the other actors actually recite lines over his corpse, <laughs> or would they call nine one one or cry or or actually go yeah. back to non characters and and show real emotion? But well, here she is; she's still going. Yeah, tis no time to sleep. It's not, <laughs> she's still going.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but then again, she is kind of bat crap, so uh, you know, it's it, it's entirely possible.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. While she's sort of finishing her uh, her her monologue here, I guess we'll get into the nitty gritty. And we'll talk yeah. about the essential nature of this episode. We
1: will, but before we do that, there's actually another cut scene from this. Oh, cool! By the way, that that actually shows Lenore resting in sick bay uh, after she has this breakdown, oh. uh, and it actually gets jumped over, and and we go right to the bridge. Sure, that works for me. But um, so uh, back to the essential nature of the show. Uh, would you mind if I jumped in? Go for it. All right. <clears throat> so. I, I, I'm gonna. Say, this may not be, uh, what I would consider one of the best mm-hmm. episodes of the original series. Uh, you know, maybe it, it's kind of almost like a CSI episode where you're gonna trace some people down. There's not a lot of sci-fi action going on in this. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I think just by virtue of the amount of backstory that you get about Kirk. Mm-hmm. And his life prior to the Enterprise, as we've gotten in other episodes too. But this is, this gives you a really good bit of backstory about where Kirk was before he became the captain of the Enterprise. So he was, you know, a midshipman caught in in some sort of a genocidal revolution, you know, something that may have shaped him mm-hmm. to be the person that he is today. And I think just because of that particular fact, yeah. it's an essential episode. But, um. You also have to take into account that there are a couple of really great uh, dialogue exchanges in this show mm-hmm. between both Kirk and McCoy, which are defining character uh, moments for them. Yeah. And and the, the, the three of them in Kirk's quarters uh, going back and forth amongst the three. I think that moment also uh, heavily contributes, I think, to my feeling that this episode uh, is an essential one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have to add too much. To what you said, this really feels like Star Trek firing on all cylinders in terms of, you know, how the characters interact. I also love sort of the how this episode sort of made the Star Trek world bigger for me. It expanded the universe. And it created mm. this history. It added um, weight to some of these characters. Yep. And even though it's not really essential from a continuity standpoint and really, you know, it won't really be referenced again, even though I, I did say it, it probably could have been. But it still molds and shapes the character of Kirk in a way that it helps us understand him a little bit more. And I think there are enough character interactions here. Um, and I think the uh, the climax of this episode is really darn good, too. But I, I would have to, you know, agree with you and say that this episode uh, on paper might not look like it's essential, but it is definitely an essential episode of Star Trek, the original series.
1: Oh, great. I'm, I'm actually really glad we're in agreement on that, because uh, I've watched this episode a couple of times recently uh, and and I come out of the, the thinking the same exact thing every single time. Like, you know, this is uh, it's it's kind of almost campy in a way with all mm-hmm. the Shakespeare references and the play right and the play being portrayed on the Enterprise and all of that. But you know, there's so much great interplay with the characters mm-hmm. and so much worthy backstory on Kirk. Yeah, and Riley even uh, that mm-hmm. that it makes it a, a great episode to watch. And in closing, I, another really funny reference to this episode that I, I never really thought about before I did some more research was that um, you know Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. There are two alien characters that show up on that show. Okay, yeah. One named Kodos and one named
0: Kang. Oh, that's funny. So they're
1: both named after original series characters. One is Kodos, of course, from this episode. The other one is Kang, a Klingon from another episode. But uh, kind of a cool, another uh, uh, current pop culture reference to this episode.
0: Oh, that is great. And uh, with that, we have come to the end of The Conscience of the King. And um, I guess we will join you next week. Um, for another exciting entry of the Tricorder Transmissions.
1: We certainly will. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody.
0: Even in this corner of the galaxy, Captain, two plus two equals four. Almost certainly an attempt will be made to kill you. Why not you invite death? I'm not. I'm interested in justice. Are you? Are you sure it's not vengeance? No, I'm not sure. I wish I was.